You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. There is no tomorrow, no margin for error. We are in the final week of the 2017 college football season. We're just set before the conference championships. Rock and Rich Sermonello. This is what it's all about. Alabama, Auburn. We have Clemson, South Carolina. We'll see which teams navigate through to the uh, ACC and SEC championships a little bit later. In other words, Joe, you're saying it's rivalry weekend. It is. Rivalry weekend is upon us. Thanksgiving has passed. We had a great Friday of football. That was sort of the appetizer. Today we get the full meal and a great slate of games, and we start to fill out some of those championship games, which will be coming up in Week 14. Another game, big rivalry game, is Ohio State and JT Barrett against Michigan. We have a great show planned for you today at 10:24 Eastern. We'll be joined by the executive director of the Maxwell Awards, Mark Wolpert. We'll talk to Mark about some of the top players in the country. 11:24 Eastern, we'll be talking to Ohio State quarterback. Greg Fry will get Greg's take about what the Buckeyes have to do to get the upset in the big house a little bit later today. And that at 10.39 and 11.39, we'll be joined by Game Time Decisions host Gabe Morenci. We'll get Gabe's best bets for the college weekend. But, Rich, Thursday, Friday... Saturday, great games on tap. I mean, one of those games, USF on the road to face Mackenzie Milton and the crew, and a dynamic effort where the Knights prevail 49-42. to Joe, I'm going to offer this up as the game of the regular season in 2017. I don't think I saw a more entertaining matchup. You had the rivalry in place. You had an undefeated team in UCF. A great quarterback battle between Quinton Flowers of the Bulls, Mackenzie Milton, you mentioned of the Knights. It was back and forth throughout. We had that just unbelievable special teams touchdown from Mike Hughes to give UCF the win. And now it sets up another great matchup. You know, we're going to talk a lot next weekend about SEC, about ACC, Big Ten title games. But how about the American Athletic Conference? Riley Ferguson in Memphis versus Mackenzie Milton in UCF with an opportunity as long as as long as Memphis doesn't stumble against East, Ca- East uh, Carolina today, and we don't expect that, it sets up an opportunity, winner-take-all, not just win the conference, Joe, but also earn a berth in a New Year's Six Bowl game, possibly the Peach Bowl. So that'll be a fantastic matchup. And great quarterback play within the conference. You mentioned Riley Ferguson. How about uh, Mackenzie Milton yesterday and Quinton Flowers? Yeah. Over 600 yards of total offense, 500 yards through the air, over 100 yards rushing on the ground. But in the end, lost that matchup 49-42. to Another quarterback that we saw on the road in Fayetteville getting the road win was Drew yeah. Locke and Missouri, 7-5 and overall. They're bowl eligible. But Drew Locke leads FBS with touchdown passes, 43 overall. This is a team that won six yeah. straight games to end the 2017 Joe, Mizzou, the only team in the history of the SEC to lose its first four conference games and win its final four conference games. So Barry Odom doing a really good job at Missouri. This is, this is what it's all about. When we come back, we'll be breaking down the Iron Bowl. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. Since 
Since 1995, Real-Time Fantasy Sports has been the most trusted site in the fantasy industry. Home to an award-winning commissioner service and endless money leagues offered at a variety of formats and skill levels, RTSports.com is the only destination for the fantasy player who wants it all. Plus, RT Sports offers the most reliable and quickest payouts for any level of fantasy player. Do you like trades? Well, yeah. Do you hate trades? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Want a league for just three weeks? No problem. RTSports.com offers it all. And to ease the gameplay for all kinds of players, we're optimized for desktop, phone, or your tablet, making it simple to play wherever, whenever. Ready to get started? Head to RTSports.com slash lobby to check out all the games we have to offer and sign up to play today. RTSports.com. Everything a fantasy player could ever want under one award-winning roof. On college football today, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello. If you want to talk college football with us, give us a call, 844-843-6879. 844-843-6879. You can follow me on Twitter at Go for the Two. You can follow Rich on Twitter at Rich Sermonello. That's C-I-R-M-I-N-I-E-L-L-O. Huge battle in the Iron Bowl, Alabama. Auburn, Rich, Alabama's won three straight over Auburn by 15 points per game. They picked up this victory last year in Tuscaloosa, 30-12. Looks like they should have no problem later today on the Plains in Auburn, but I think this Auburn Tiger defense steps up, makes Jalen Hurts one-dimensional. I'm calling for the close 23-20 win. Auburn gets it over Alabama later today. It is uh, difficult to pick against Alabama when it's Auburn. It's hard to pick against Nick Saban in any big game. But, Joe, I agree with you. I, I think these teams are, are somewhat heading in different directions. Uh, Alabama, to their credit, they've persevered through injuries. Uh, Jalen Hurts has done a good job. He was the hero against Mississippi State. But that attrition, those injuries on defense, worry me. Alabama, when you think about it over the past decade, this team is at its best when it doesn't have a good middle linebacker, but when it has a dominant middle linebacker, someone like a Reuben Foster to really kind of cover those running lanes to, to, to really kind of uh, be, the, be the, the stopgap for that defense. That player I don't think exists this year. They have some problems on the second level. Minko Fitzpatrick, the safety, may not be 100%. Auburn's defense, I'm going to say, is actually a little bit better than Alabama's right now, and that'll be the difference in this game. And that's the thing I look at when I look at this uh, matchup overall. It's Alabama's offense. This is an Alabama offense that's averaging 272 rushing yards on the ground. They're passing for 208 yards through the air. They're converting 43% of their third-down conversions. But over the last two SEC games against LSU and Mississippi State, this is an offense that's only converted 8 of 24 attempts right in the area, 33%. You look at Jalen Hurts. He's 
going to have to make plays not just with his arm but with his legs in this ball game to keep the pressure off of the offensive line, especially in long third down situations. This still is an Auburn Tiger team that has recorded 32 total sacks as a defensive unit. They're playing better as the years progressed. And more importantly, when I look at Alabama's offense, I mean, Calvin Ridley leads that team with 52 total receptions, 853 yards, three touchdown receptions. There's not one person after that that has 20 receptions or more. I think that's the matchup as well. Auburn double teams Ridley and forces Hurts to beat them over the top. You know what position is really being missed this year is the tight end. You know, no O.J. Howard, nobody who could stretch the seams of an opposing defense from the tight end position. I like Jalen Hurts, and I, and I think Alabama has the better quarterback in this matchup. But I also have some concerns about the offensive line of Alabama. They've given up a lot of sacks over the past couple of weeks. It's a good unit led by Jonah Williams. But Jeff Holland, you talk about those 32 sacks of Auburn. Jeff Holland just plays like he is shot out of a cannon coming around the edge. And that front seven of Auburn has gotten better and better week after week. They don't have the big names. They don't necessarily have the individual awards candidates this time of year. But you look at a Dontavious Russell on the first line. You look at Jeff Holland, Carlton Davis, those big cornerbacks that can match up well with Calvin Ridley. I, I think this game, a couple of things. It's reminiscent for me of that 2013 matchup, the last time Auburn won in that dramatic finish, the kick six to beat Alabama and deny them another shot at a national championship. That reminds me of this game. And I think it's going to look, when you talk about vintage, quintessential SEC battles, Alabama, LSU, I think it's going to be that type of a game, Joe. Low scoring, every possession counts. You watch special teams. You watch turnovers. I think it's a low-scoring game, but on the plains of Auburn, I don't see any reason why the Tigers can't win this matchup. I agree, and I think LSU had the blueprint on how to beat Alabama because they had more yards than the Alabama did in that ball game. number one. And number two, they showed the defensive type of game plan to force Jalen Hurts to methodically work down the field. And when you look at personnel perspective, Auburn does have that, not just in the front seven, but in the secondary, that's only giving up around 184 passing yards to opposing offenses. The other factor is this. Alabama's rushing for about 272 yards per game. Over the last two SEC games, they, against Mississippi State, it was 202 yards. Against LSU, it was 116. This was an offense at the middle part of the year, especially when they steamrolled teams like Ole Miss and Vanderbilt. They were rushing for 302 yeah. yards per game. They've come off a bit. That's put a lot of pressure on the offensive line in critical third down situations. And Jalen Hurts has been sacked under pressure, and yep. I think that's the matchup, especially on the road that you want to see for Auburn's defense uh, going up against the Alabama uh, front uh, uh, offensive line in this yeah, ballgame. Yeah, if you're struggling with the Alabama backs in this game, it's a major problem. I think Damian Harris has had an underrated season, and, and it's one of those years where there's such a committee nature to that backfield. You're not having a Derrick Henry-type season. You're not a, a Mark Ingram-type back. They're really spreading the wealth around Damian Harris has done a great job, but if, if Auburn can seal off those running lanes, if they could force Jalen Hurts to have to pass, and again, I think edge to Alabama when it comes to quarterbacks. I don't know what uh, Jared Stidham does in this game. He's played better as the season has progressed, but I think he'll have some problems against that Alabama secondary no matter how healthy Minka Fitzpatrick is. But what about Kerryon Johnson? Now, 
they don't have the depth, no Cam Petway. I wish he was in this game, right. but Kerryon Johnson has shouldered the load for the uh, Auburn running game. He's going to be interesting to watch to see if he can get yards against Deron Payne and that tough front seven of Alabama. I agree. Now, when you look at uh, Auburn's offense, I mean, they're a balanced type of offense. They're rushing for 231 yards on the ground, passing for 244 through the year. You mentioned Stidham. He's completed 67% of his passes, 2,445 yards, 16 touchdowns, four interceptions. But I really think it's the personnel of Auburn as well, how they'll utilize fly sweeps to get Alabama's defense running from sideline to sideline. That'll open up play action for Stidham down the middle of the field on seam routes. That's the way you really have to attack Alabama. You can't go into their strength because of their ability to run sideline to sideline. You have to neutralize their speed by attacking them vertically on seam routes, whether it be tight ends, scat backs, or even slot receivers. And I think that that's where Auburn does have the advantage and the way LSU did move the football especially in the second half against Alabama to me I think that's the blueprint that plays out on the plains well and I think what you're saying Joe which I I would uh, concur with is it's a big day for the offensive coordinators you have two first year offensive coordinators Brian Dable of Alabama Chip Lindsay of Auburn they're going to have to call the games of their lives. I mean, these are the toughest matchups that they've seen all season long defensively. Such defensive speed, such defensive talent, such pressure in this matchup. You know, I love this game. I mean, this is a great rivalry. It's rooted in hatred throughout the state of Alabama. And now it bleeds across the country because the SEC fans, the Alabama fans, the Auburn fans, obviously they've been locked in for the last 364 days. But... And the rest of the country has to pay attention, too. When you talk about the playoffs and the rankings that come out on Tuesday, what happens if Alabama does lose? I mean, that really changes the dynamic because if Alabama loses this game and either Auburn or Georgia wins the SEC title, can you keep a one-loss Alabama team whose only loss would be at Auburn, a red-hot Auburn team, can you keep them out of the playoffs? So if Alabama – big picture, guys – If Alabama loses today, it opens up the possibility that you have two SEC teams in the playoff, hurts Ohio State if the Buckeyes win the Big Ten title. So, you know, if you want Ohio State in the playoffs, you have to root for Alabama to win and then win out. Yeah, it's it's going to be a very intriguing matchup. I mean, especially if Alabama loses, you have that rematch of the SEC championship game then of Auburn and Georgia. Whoever wins that, if Georgia wins, then th- does Alabama get in because they lost to Auburn? Depending upon the margin of defeat, that's what we're going to have to see. Does Miami knock off Clemson? Does Ohio State possibly knock off West Wisconsin? Because I think there's other factors that would have to play out for Alabama to possibly Possibly make the playoffs should they lose this ball game because they won't be an SEC champion. And we saw the the controversy last year with Ohio State right. getting in over Penn State. I think that's what you have to keep an eye out on. Well, and something else to keep in mind too, which I I found fascinating as as we started to break down this game this week is as good as Nick Saban has been against Auburn, especially recently. You mentioned the three straight victories. Do you know what his record is when facing an Auburn team that has at least nine wins? Auburn's nine and two, by the. 
way. Uh, oh and six. Oh and six. Good job, <laughs> Joe. Way to go. Oh and six. He has never, from his days at LSU and now at Alabama, has never beaten an Auburn team that has at least nine wins. And, and Auburn is nine and two right now. And here's the matchup for Alabama's defense. I mean, they are rock solid, holding opposing uh, offenses under 100 yards, giving up only around 165 passing yards per game. They only have. 30 total sacks as a defense unit. Last year it was 54, so they're going to need to create pressure on an Auburn offensive line that's allowed 26 total sacks in 2017. When we come back, we'll give our prediction and we'll break down the big matchup in the Big Ten, Ohio State and Michigan. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi and Ritz Sermonello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hey, this is Greg Sussman from the Roto Experts in the Morning. And, and listen, we can all use a little help sometimes. That's why I talk to three guys every single day that help me with my fantasy teams. But if you need help with your fantasy teams, and you probably do, you should purchase the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football In-Season Package, featuring weekly lineup ranks, chats with our experts every single day, and player cards for every player in the NFL, including reports from InsideInjuries.com. You cannot beat it. Don't set your lineups without checking the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge In-Season Package. Huge matchup taking place on the Plains. Top-ranked Alabama, top-ranked Auburn. Doesn't get better than this. Rich, when I look at this, turnovers will be critical to whoever wins this ballgame. When you look at Alabama, they do it as good as anyone. Plus 12 in turnover margin entering this ballgame. Auburn at plus 3. Auburn's going to have to force some turnovers against Jalen Hurts, especially in the passing game. They only have four interceptions on the year. That secondary, as good as it's been in pass coverage, I know, only four interceptions this year. Yeah, it's a surprising number. There's a lot of defensive talent. They play well as a unit. Again, not, not that one individual that you look at. There isn't a... Minka Fitzpatrick. There's not an Ed Oliver. There's not somebody that you're going to say is is a candidate for an individual award, but they play very well collaboratively. When I look at this game, you know, it's such a small margin separating the two teams. A lot of similarities. Power running teams, great defenses. I think it comes down to special teams, Joe. This is a Daniel Carlson type of game. One of the best place kickers in the country. I, I think this is a three or four point game either way. I'm going to stick with Auburn. I, I know it's tough to bet against Alabama in a big setting, but this team has sort of had to overcome because of the injuries. I'm going to say a Daniel Carlson field goal. Auburn wins by three and throws the SEC into a state of chaos. Yeah, I agree with you. I'll go 24-20 to 20 in that battle. I think the fact that they're playing at home gives them a little more confidence. It's the Iron Bowl. They have the, I mean, Jared Stidham's come on. I mean, it hasn't been asked to do a whole lot. I mean, the offensive line's playing very well. on Johnson lo- really carrying the load for that offense that has allowed Jared Stidham to work off a of play action. He does have 16 rushing touchdowns, 1,179 rushing yards on the year. But I still like this defense, the way they were able to shut down Georgia in that matchup a couple of weeks ago leads me to believe that they match up very well against the offensive line of Alabama, and I think they put them into third down and long situations. I'll end the conversation with this point. Uh, You you talked about the Georgia game, one of the best victories by any team, maybe the best victory anybody's had this season, the Auburn win over Georgia. 
When was the last time Alabama this year had that kind of a win? Now, again, impressive to be undefeated. There's no question about it. They should be the number one team in the country. But struggled a little bit with LSU, struggled against Mississippi State, struggled with Texas A&M. They don't have that kind of a victory that Auburn does. I think Auburn might, by a razor-thin margin, might be the better team right yeah, now. Yeah, we'll see if Gus Malzahn pulls out all the stops. It is 3.30. It's on CBS with huge, huge SEC West and, more importantly, national championship implications on the line. We'll turn our attention to the big house, Ann Arbor, 12 o'clock. It is Ohio State and JT Barrett. It is Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. This is Michigan season right here. But when you look at the matchup over the last five games, Ohio State has won five straight over the Wolverines by 10.4 points per game. But I'm really buying into this Michigan defense up against JT Barrett here. They lead FBS with number one ranked third down defense holding opposing offenses to 24% on third down conversions. To me, that's the difference. I'm not sold on JT Barrett on the road. Michigan in a very low scoring game bounces back ends their year on a positive note 17 to 13 over the Buckeyes you're calling the outright outright upset today yeah I mean that would surprise me at this point I I, in terms of picks I I like Michigan getting double digit points in this type of a rivalry so much on the line in Ann Arbor with a great not good great Michigan defense I'm inclined to take the points, but I just don't think there's enough offense. I mean, I'm not really out on a limb by saying that, but I just don't think there's enough offense with Michigan. There's uncertainty at quarterback. Brandon Peters was in concussion protocol all week long. They're struggling to move the ball. I think that offensive line of the Wolverines will have a tough time against the deep rotation of the Ohio State defensive line. And and although Ohio State might struggle to score, you have the better quarterback in JT Barrett, the more experienced player. Urban Meyer has had Jim Harbaugh's number. And I think that's a storyline worth touching on too, Joe, which is, yeah, and I'm not suggesting hot seat. That's ridiculous <laughs> at all. Um, but Jim Harbaugh needs this game. Jim Harbaugh has struggled against his rivals. He has yet to beat Urban Meyer and Ohio State in a couple of tries. And he really hasn't had a great season. You know, the three times he had to deliver, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Penn State, 0-3. He needs this game in the worst possible way. And I I don't look at the quarterback position as being the Achilles heel today because I think they're going to look to run the football. I mean, this is an offense of Michigan that's averaging 196 yards on the ground, only passing for right in the area of about 170 yards per game. So for me, it does come down to the offensive line and more importantly, the defensive front seven led by Rashawn Gary. This is a Michigan defense that's holding opposing offenses to 114 rushing yards on the ground and more importantly, that secondary giving up only 144 passing yards per game. They're rock solid in third down defense, but over the last four games, Rich, that secondary's only allowed 119.5 passing yards to opposing quarterbacks. We've seen JT Barrett, especially in tough critical situations when he's forced in the pocket he's a different type of quarterback and I think that's what you see play out in the big house the one player that's impressed me recently Joe on the Ohio State and I agree with you on JT Barrett JT Barrett you never know what he's going to deliver in a big game he was great against Penn State struggled against Oklahoma back in September 
But those young players have begun to develop. Those young skill position players. J.K. Dobbins has been there all season long, the true freshman running back. Mike Weber, who we sort of forgot about. Week after week, his role has begun to increase, was so good as a rookie last year, struggled with injuries in September. So now they have a, a one-two punch, a two-headed monster out of the backfield. The young receivers, not great. I think they will have a hard time against that Michigan secondary. But again, I go back to the Michigan offense. I don't think they'll be able to run the ball. Uh, I, I don't think – listen, if you're going to beat the Ohio State defense, the one most vulnerable area is the secondary. secondary. Right, secondary. You're going to have to beat them over the top. And right now, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones, he's an option on the outside, but you need someone who could deliver the ball. This is the week where you wish that Wilton Spate was healthy. He brings a little more experience, played in this game last year. I think that would be advantageous uh, for Michigan, but I don't know if anybody's healthy behind center. This will be a competitive game because it's in Ann Arbor and because it matters. It matters to everyone associated with this rivalry. Plus, Don Brown's defense will dial up something to frustrate JT Barrett. I think it's close. I think it's a seven or eight point game. But at the end of the day, Ohio State wins, and then they go into that Big Ten championship game next week against Wisconsin with a chance to possibly win the league title, but then also kind of take the back door into a playoff spot. And that's the thing. I think there's a lot more pressure on Ohio State than there is Michigan. You mentioned Jim Harbaugh. I think there's a lot of pressure on Jim Harbaugh. But Michigan is playing with house money, as we say. I mean, they're looking forward to this game. This is their season. They're going to a bowl game. But they would love nothing more than to give the Ohio State Buckeyes their third loss in 2017. And more importantly, I think JT Barrett and this offense on the road, we've seen them struggle in Iowa City. They got blown out 55 to 24. This is a much better Michigan defense, especially in the back end, in yeah. my opinion. Now, Ohio State is balanced. They're rushing for 253 yards on the ground, passing for 292 through the air. You mentioned Barrett. He's completing 66% of his passes, 2,698 yards, 32 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. But again, he's a streaky type of quarterback, and if you can run the football and keep him on the sidelines, to me, that's the game plan, especially if Michigan jumps up early, gets to dictate the tempo. I think that's where Ohio State could be in trouble. I wonder if Michigan feels the pressure of this moment. I mean, because this is a this is a huge game for house money, yes, in terms of what the postseason will look like. It's not going to have, I don't think, a dramatic impact in terms of where they're right. playing in December and January. They're out of the East race. Obviously, Ohio State has wrapped that up. But the pressure of, of having to win this game, they've lost five straight. They've lost 12 of the last 13. I mean, that's a staggering number. Ohio State and Michigan, you know, I go back to when we used to watch these yeah. games. It was, it was nip and tuck. It was back and forth. It was one year you're up, one year the other team is up. It was a balanced rivalry, but not any longer. I mean, 12 of 13 they've lost. And, again, I can't stress enough how important – this is to Jim Harbaugh. He needs to finish the regular season on a high note. He needs to beat Ohio State. To start his career 0-3 would really be problematic. Again, I'm not talking big picture. Michigan loves him. We're not changing coaches here. But that would be a real problem for him to start his career 0-3 against Urban Meyer. It would, and then to lose to the Big Four within the conference yes. this year is even worse. I mean, to not have that marquee victory within the conference from a recruiting standpoint. I mean, he lost 10 starters on that defense last year. He lost guys like Jabril Peppers, and they reloaded. But now when you have to recruit against Urban Meyer yep. and James Franklin and even Mark D'Antonio yes. now that has Michigan State back on track, that's going to put a lot of pressure on him at 
at the end of the year, not even during what, what, the, what we see during the white lines. Joe, I, I think it comes down to somewhat of a loss of momentum because Jim Harbaugh has been white hot every offseason, right? We all pay so much attention to every silly thing that he does away from the field, anything he could do to grab attention. But now... You know, if you're one in five against your rivals, which he would be if he loses this game, do you spend the off season, you know, shirtless, diving in pools, <laughs> riding in go karts, climbing trees, uh, doing sleepovers at recruits' houses? Now, when you're not getting the big victories, you wonder if he has to sort of tamp down that a little bit. Because listen, when when you're when you're hot, when you're winning, you could do anything, and it's like, oh, it's Mike Leach. Mike Leach is quirky. You know, we love that. But can Harbaugh do that sort of stuff if he's struggling against his rivals? He'll be going back to Walmart to get his khakis. He, he switched it up. He went from Walmart where he was buying $6 khakis, and then his wife told him to go to Abercrombie and Fitch or uh, Lululemon. I think, I think he's I think a Walmart Lulu, kind of guy, I think it though. was Lululemon, and, and he bought $75 khakis because they were comfortable. So he'll be going back to Walmart uh, and, if they and, lose this ball and, game. And that'll go viral, him walking into Walmart. That's, <laughs> With no that, shirt on. That, that, that's, that, that's the silliness. <laughs> of Jim Harbaugh at this true, point. True, true. But I think, again, I think he has to be aggressive, not just on the defensive side of the ball. Look for them to be aggressive from the offensive side of the ball early on to put the pressure on JT Barrett. When we come back, we'll be breaking down Wisconsin and Minnesota. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. Hey, I'm Jeff. Look, I'm just a skeleton. I don't have an ACL anymore, but I'd still like to know what it means when one of my fantasy players sprains his. That's why I use the Inside Injuries app. It was created by real doctors. So you're getting information directly from people who have seen, touched, and operated on actual ACLs. Take it from me, a skeleton. If you aren't using it, you might as well just be guessing. Download the free app today unlock the secrets of injury analysis. Rocking and rolling, talking a little Ohio State, talking a little Michigan. I think Michigan gets it done today. Jim Harbaugh playing with house money. I think they get the upset. I'm calling low scoring, run the football, put the pressure on JT Barrett, 17 to 13, upset city, baby. Joe, I, uh, I'm going to take the cover. I'm going to take those points. I don't think Ohio State wins by two touchdowns, which would be necessary to, uh, to cover this game. I think it's close because of the Michigan defense. I just don't like that Wolverine offense enough to call for the upset. But again, in the big house, in a rivalry of this magnitude, Jim Harbaugh and that staff are going to be putting in everything imaginable into the playbook to stop Ohio State, to prevent them from getting into the playoffs. I think it's close, but in the end, JT pulls it out. Better quarterback for Ohio State. I think they'll win it in the fourth. 12 o'clock kick. Doesn't get better than that. Check it out. Buckeyes, Wolverines will be joined by Greg Fry in about an hour. We'll get his take about what this rivalry means for both teams uh, at 12 o'clock in Ann Arbor. We'll turn our attention to another Big Ten battle that has huge, huge 
huge national championship implications. It is the fifth-ranked Wisconsin Badgers on the road to face Minnesota. P.J. Fleck, they're 5-6 and six overall, looking to become bowl eligible. But Wisconsin's won 13 straight, yeah. Rich, over Minnesota. Last victory by the Golden Gophers came in November 2003 by a score of 37-34. to 34. If anybody could benefit from yesterday's Miami yes, loss I in Pittsburgh, yeah. it is Wisconsin. I think they're pushed to the limit, though, in Minnesota. They do get the victory, 30-27, to 27 in a very close ball game. We're, we're in agreement a little too much uh, today uh, oh because I, I agree Scary. with you. And I, I, I listen, <laughs> I, I look at this game. You have to go on the road. Um, you have to play a rival for Paul Bunyan's axe, one of my favorite rivalry trophies. Minnesota, yes, has a lot on the line. They want to get that bowl game. P.J. wants 15 more bowl practices, wants a a bowl game at the end of his first season. But I think the ability to run the ball for Minnesota and a plucky, underrated defense. Wisconsin beginning to – I love the word plucky. (laughs) Feisty is usually what I use. Fitting for Thanksgiving Day weekend. it is actually. Plucky? Yes. Plucky and feisty. That'll be our name uh, for our show, uh, <laughs> Plucky the Plucky and Feisty Show. Um, but Minnesota plays good defense, excellent linebacker core led by uh, Thomas Barber. I, I think I watched that Miami Pitt game yesterday, and I started thinking, man, oh, man, that would not shock me if that was Minnesota-Wisconsin because Wisconsin's feeling the pressure next week. They have to face Ohio State in Indianapolis for the Big Ten title game. But meanwhile... Two more wins and they get into the playoffs. That's a lot of pressure. You go to Minneapolis, they'll be fired up uh, on the road. I think the Gophers make this tough. I think they make it very tough. I agree with you. I think Wisconsin pulls it out. But what is this, like 17 points? It's up to 18 now in Vegas because uh, of yesterday's victory. Well, yeah. Dimery Croft is going to have to make some plays with his legs, and I think that's the matchup that you want to see play out going up against Wisconsin's defense. They haven't faced a mobile quarterback all season long like Dimery Croft. This is a Minnesota offense that has struggled to stretch teams vertically. They're only passing for 143 yards through the air. They're rushing for right around 196 yards on the ground, and Rodney Smith did have great success last year in camp. Randall, they did have a, a, a double-digit lead on the Badgers before they pulled away 31-17 to uh, 17 in Madison last year. So traditionally, these games are very close. Wisconsin's found a way to pull it out. But I think this year, because of two emotional games now against Iowa right. and Michigan, both at home, back now back. you go on the road to face an arch rival with P.J. Fleck. He understands this rivalry as well. And here's what I look at from a defensive perspective. The strength of Minnesota's defense is the secondary. They're holding opposing offenses to 175 passing yards per game. Over the last four games, Rich, this is a Wisconsin offense that's only averaging 145 passing yards, five touchdowns, five interceptions they've been one-dimensional over the last four games now not just one-dimensional joe but i'm also concerned about alex hornibrook who's had a nice season he's done a good job of managing that offense but talk about attrition in terms of receivers now they're tight end troy fumigali he'll be a factor but you've lost jazz pv you've lost cephas they've lost their best wide receiver so now that core is getting very thin if you're going to challenge minnesota you're not, you have a declining number of options. They were young kids that played pretty well against Michigan last week. And I also want to double down on your point in terms of a sandwich game. I mean, this is the ultimate sandwich game. And in the rearview mirror was Michigan. 
looking ahead is Ohio State. So in between Michigan and Ohio State is a 5-6 and six Minnesota team going on the road. I can't see this being a, a cruise game for Wisconsin. I, I think it's competitive. I'm not betting against the Badgers winning and remain, remaining undefeated. Paul Christ has done a remarkable job. Jonathan Taylor running the ball well. Big, beefy offensive line outstanding defense i mean jim leonard has done a remarkable job in his first season as a coordinator they lose players and yet they regroup week after week outstanding against the pass forget about demry croft having any success through the air they're going to have to run the ball which is not easy against this wisconsin defense which is allowing around three yards per carry so wisconsin survives but if you're looking for a pick, I agree with you. I think 18 points is too much. And here's the other factor why I like Minnesota to keep this game close. I mean, you look at Wisconsin's offense overall. They're rushing for 239 yards on the ground. They're passing for right in the area of 189 yards through the air. They do have 50% third down offense, converting 50% of the time. But over the last couple of games now, Rich, 10 of 28, that's 35%. They're dipping over better defenses, and when you look at the strength of Minnesota, I think they're able to blitz, force third down and long situations against Hornibrook, and that's where the matchup from a defensive perspective can play out for the Golden Gophers, coupled with the fact that I think P.J. Fleck understands what it means to become bowl eligible. He's going to be aggressive in this matchup. He's known as a big-game head coach, especially when you look at Western Michigan last year against Wisconsin. He coached against them. That's another factor that nobody brings up. They played that match up very well 24 to 16 and we're in striking distance totally forgot about that bowl game that's an excellent point yeah fleck knows the personnel coached against the personnel great motivator one of the best motivators in the country and and again i mean you're right he knows the importance of this game the rivalry factor the point that they've lost 13 in a row and and listen minnesota and pj fleck that entire staff desperately want to get that bonus game this is one of the programs that would really benefit from an opportunity to get 15 additional practices four more quarters 60 minutes of football would be huge for pj fleck and what he's trying to do the key for me in this game joe is don't get down early i'm not talking seven nothing or ten nothing but minnesota cannot be pulled out of its offensive game plan if this is a team that suddenly is down two touchdowns quickly and croft has to go to the air it's over it's over i it's mean over. forget it because that's a recipe for turnovers he's a young quarterback more athletic right now than a complete passer so it's important for minnesota to be in it early they'll be jacked up for this game Again, I, I think it's a game in the third quarter. You might sweat it out in the end, but but I have I have Wisconsin winning by 11. Yeah, these teams that are underdogs, it's imperative to dictate tempo early on. And for you look at Michigan and you look at Minnesota, it does come in the rushing attack. If they can get methodical ball control type of drives, eight to ten minutes, nine-minute drives, and keep the opposing offenses on the sidelines, that's what you want to see. You get a turnover here and there. Next thing you know, it's upset city. Yeah, yeah and that's... That's the beauty of rivalry week. I, I mean, that, that, you know, you, you kind of throw records out at this point. I mean, there are a lot of kids from the same areas, Minnesota, Wisconsin. A lot of these kids were recruited by both schools or maybe not recruited by one of those schools, and they have a chip on their shoulder. So when it comes to rivalry games, if we're talking Duke, North Carolina, it doesn't matter, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Alabama, Auburn, it's beyond just the records. There, there's so much more at stake. There's so so much emotion, particularly when you're talking about a home team. And, and, and PJ, I think, has generally done a good job. They've been up and down. They're a work in progress. 
But what a way to catapult into 2018 if he could somehow hand Wisconsin their first loss uh, of 2017. And I think when you look at Minnesota as well, the personnel, I mean, they went from Tracy Clay's a methodical ball control type of offense where they wanted to ground and pound and rely on the front seven. Now P.J. Fleck wants to open it up. He doesn't have that type of personnel. He'll get it if he stays there. Now, they gave him a contract extension through 2023 with the hopes of him not bolting for one of these jobs, but now you see Arkansas uh, job open. You see Tennessee. UCLA. He's, he's been mentioned for some of these jobs i mean do you think he stays i do i think it's a little bit early i don't think he'd be jumping after one season but certainly i think minnesota is a stepping stone for someone like pj fleck he's young he's upwardly mobile he had success obviously most recently at northern illinois i think he'll have success at minnesota and listen the gophers have been good at home i mean they're four and two like most young teams much better at home than they are on the road four and two last time we saw them uh, had an easy time with nebraska nebraska obviously is not wisconsin they're in two different leagues but there is enough talent i look at a stephen richardson on the interior of the defensive line you mentioned rodney smith the ability to run the ball the ability hopefully in this game to stop the run i i, I think it's competitive but you know, Wisconsin, to me, I say it a lot. Wisconsin, to me, is one of my favorite programs. You talk about a well-coached blue program, blue-collar, two-star, three-star, walk-ons. They do more with less than about any team in the country. So Wisconsin becomes a team that's really easy to root for. I think it's high scoring, though, 30 to 27 by Wisconsin standards. I see Minnesota being able to strike some points early on. Uh, I think they're aggressive, though. Fake punt, I could see that, you know, kind of onside well, kick. Well, I mean, why not at this point? You're not going to go toe-to-toe. You're not going to get in the ring and go toe-to-toe with, with Wisconsin if you're Minnesota and, and knock them out. You're, you're not going to knock this undefeated team out. So and it's and it's the simple fact they're sitting at five and six. Yes. So bowl eligible means so much yes. to the younger uh, underclassmen for this team. So we'll see. It's a three thirty kick on ABC. When we come back, we'll be joined by. Uh, uh, excuse me. It's uh, <laughs> when we come back. Well, we'll talk some of the top ten battles. Uh, keep it where it is. Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonello, live in the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Are you new to Daily Fantasy? Are you a veteran? Either way, you can better your chances of winning money and lots of it by going to DailyRoto.com. Multiple people have become millionaires thanks to the guys at Daily Roto. Why not take advice from the experts? You can become a millionaire too. Just go to DailyRoto.com to rock Daily Fantasy Sports. Best bet time. We've both been uh, treading water, although Rich was 4-2 and two last week. I was 3-3. Three and three. we got to kick it up a notch. Looking to go Let's undefeated. finish strong, Joey. Let's finish strong. I'm going with the Big Ten battle. I love Michigan today. Getting the points. I think they get the outright victory over the Ohio State Buckeyes. Third down defense will be critical. Michigan 17, Ohio State 13. I, I like the way you're thinking. I think this is a competitive game. Rivalry game. On the road. Getting 
double digits. I can't remember the last time it was that big of a spread. Nonetheless, I like Ohio State to win, but I think it's a four-quarter game, much like last year. ACC battle that we haven't talked about. It's North Carolina. It's NC State. North Carolina, 3-8 and eight overall, getting a heap of points here. I think NC State prevails. Not a best selection of mine, but I would lay the points here. You would. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I won't spend too much time on it other than to, than to say North Carolina is playing better football in the second half of the season. They've been competitive, gained some confidence against an FCS team last year. And I think NC State, despite the fact that it's a rivalry game, considering their emotional losses recently, I think they're a little bit spent right now. Would not be shocked to see North Carolina actually pull the upset. We talked about Minnesota and P.J. Fleck. I think they lose a very close game against Wisconsin, 30-27. to I think they're in it from start to finish. We're in agreement. I, I think Wisconsin plays a little bit tight. Minnesota fast and loose. But Wisconsin having won 13 in a row, I think they make it 14 But again, I I think that's way, way too many points for a team at home. Notre Dame on the road. They've lost six of eight to Stanford. I would take the points here. A slight underdog. I think Bryce Love and Stanford get a 10-point victory over Notre Dame. Not a best of Here's the reason why I like ND, Joe. I I don't know if Bryce Love is going to be 100% first off. I'm not fully convinced he plays. I mean, because if... If Washington State loses to Washington and that game takes place at the same time, so Stanford's head might be on the scoreboard more than Notre Dame. If Wazoo loses in Seattle, Stanford plays USC in the Pac-12 championship game. So I don't know if you use Bryce Love at this point because it's a non-conference game has no impact. I, I might want to rest him at this point in the hopes that you're playing in the Pac-12 title game. True, but we'll see. He does have 1,700 rushing yards on the ground. Rashad Penny broke out. He's over 2,000. Does he look to catch him against a Notre Dame defense? Give up 140 rushing yards on the ground. We'll see. It is an 8 o'clock start on ABC. Another intriguing battle is South Carolina and Clemson. I like Clemson here. We're not going to get into it, but you like the Gamecocks. I, I do. I, I I think South Carolina has quietly been playing better and better and better, especially defensively. I am not impressed by the Clemson offense. Kelly Bryant's been fine, but they have not been explosive. They have not popped off. I think South Carolina really puts a scare into Clemson today in Columbia. Ooh, we'll get into that game in, in next hour. I can't wait. I have a, a strong feeling about that game. A Big Ten battle that we haven't talked about. Both teams are 5-6. and six. We'll get into it in next hour's Indiana on the road in West Lafayette to face Jeff Brom and Purdue. I love the way this front seven is playing for the Boilermakers, holding opposing offenses to 134 rushing yards on the ground. I think they get it done. Double-digit win over the Hoosiers later today. Joe, I agree not a best bet both teams are playing well both teams have a lot at stake I, I think this is a vastly underrated game for the old oak and bucket you mentioned it five and six both teams both teams need to win to get into the postseason both teams have first year head coaches that really want that postseason game both defenses playing well i thought indiana impressed last week by uh, blanking rutgers I'll take Purdue as well. Not a best bet, but I like where the Boilermakers are headed. We're going to break that game down in next hour. Which coach, in your opinion, has more pressure on the road today? Is it Urban Meyer in Ohio State or Paul Christ in Wisconsin? I think it's Urban Meyer. You think so? Yeah, with, with the playoffs at stake at this point and a tougher battle against Michigan, I think it's Urban Meyer. has uh, He has not had a great season. The losses to Oklahoma and Iowa 
can't lose a third time no, this year. No, I agree. And it is an arch rival. Jim Harbaugh will be licking his chops if he can get the victory over the Buckeyes at 12 o'clock. When we come back, we'll be breaking down the other top 25 battles. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonella live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34.